want you to stand up. I'm going to read the text for today, James chapter 3. And I'll have you stand up a couple of times, but honor God's word in this culture I'm part of. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Now, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large force, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our vendors. It stains the whole body, sets the force of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed, and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless our Lord and favor, Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? My brothers and sisters are a grapevine produce figs. Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. Please be seated. Historical context. What's happening? If you were to go back and live in the day just a little bit before Jesus started teaching, and you were to kind of explore what's the Roman Empire like and what's the Greek world like, you would find that the Greeks who were, had been conquered and were part of the Roman Empire and these very smart teachers and philosophers. And then the teachers spread out, and they moved around all these different locations. And you had individuals who would go city by city teaching philosophy, and they made a living at it. When the church got started, I think the, the church in some ways took a little bit of that in. And it was a good thing, because you had all these young groups of churches starting, and they needed solid teaching. So you had not only the men that we know like Peter and Paul and James who are writing or moving around teaching, you had a lot of other individuals who had some knowledge of faith in Yahweh God and the resurrection of Jesus, and they moved around teaching. Now, as they're doing that, there's a couple of benefits, and it wasn't huge benefits, but it came with status where, you know, you become the teacher of a local church, then you move on to another, and people generally listen to you, and there's a certain status that comes with. There was also some financial rewards, and we don't see evidence of people become absolutely wealthy, but there is some financial rewards. Now, James writes and says, don't be eager to get in that spot. I want to tell you a story about a friend of mine named Glenn Pemberton. Glenn teaches Old Testament at a school called Abilene Christian University. About 16 years ago, Glenn and I and my wife, Jana, were in a local church in Oklahoma City, and Glenn was working through some ideas that he was going to turn into a book. And he was looking at, in our American culture amongst churches, sometimes we talk about the idea of a calling. And what we do is we say, figure out what your abilities are and what you're interested in, and then that's what you're called to do. And maybe I'll pick a little bit on the kids. Say you have a kid who loves going to school, and he's really smart, well, well, he should be a teacher. 
Lynn pointed out, if you read through the stories of Pauling in the Old Testament, none of them look that way. What usually happens, in fact, I think every time I can think of it, is this basic way it works. There's a community that's going through a long struggle, painful struggle. And then there's some individual that God is preparing to be part of the answer to that. And as God prepares that person, then he gives them all sorts of experiences and education. But the more prepared he gets, the more humble that individual becomes. And when God speaks to that individual and says, it's you, I need you to go and do these things or teach these things, the individual always says, God, you can find somebody better than me to do this. And there's this wrestling with I think that's the type of thing when James tells us not many of you should want to be teachers. He's referring back to that. This is what the Jewish people would understand. You generally don't want to be called by God. Because it means you're going to go through some really painful seasons. Now, don't desire to be a teacher because teachers are going to be held to a higher standard. You're not going to be able to plagiarize. You have to be able to quote your sources and say, I learned this from this person, from this book that I read. You can't make it your own. You've got to do your research well. You've got to be constantly reading and meeting people and asking questions and recognizing all the time, I really don't have this fully figured out. You've got to, this while you're feeling like you don't know what you're doing, you've got to be able to explain what you do know and be able to debate it. It's a strange place to be. You have to write and rewrite. And I had a favorite teacher when I was in Bible college, a guy named Jimmy Allen, and he was a strong-willed, opinionated professor. In some ways, he could be very intimidating. And when you would go into his class, he would literally, you'd have to buy his book on Acts and Romans. He was so confident he had written a book, and his book was the outline for the class. But the thing I loved about Jimmy was he also said, make sure to bring you know, your blue pen to write down the extra notes, the things you hear that's not in the book, and then bring a red pen, because I make mistakes all the time. And we would be going through class, and we would get to points that would be a little bit controversial, and Jimmy would say, okay, kids, what do you think? And we'd be raising our hands, and every semester, a couple of times, Jimmy would say, pull out the red egg, I got this one wrong, here's what it should say, thank you, students, you've made me a better teacher. And I think that is the type of teacher that James is saying, don't be eager. Don't try to get yourself in that position. Instead, get yourself in a position where you're learning. And you keep teaching what you learn, but you're constantly learning yourself. He has a couple of illustrations about this. I counted seven, and they're kind of coming a cluster of three and a cluster of four. The first one is about bits in the horse of a mouth. And in North Dakota, you know this. Horses are big, powerful animals. A human being should not be able to control them. But you put a bit in the mouth of a horse and you've got them under control. The second illustration is a ship with a rudder. The ships upon the ocean are big, massive things, but it's only a small rudder that turns them. His third illustration is like a small fire can start a small spark can start a fire and the fire can burn out of control. Well, let's tell you it's like. It can, it's small, it can control what's big, and it can create chaos that's absolute and destructive. And if you know North Dakota history, you don't want to get caught with a prairie fire coming at you. 
just like the baby Jesus. The comments that he makes, isn't it ironic that one of the smallest parts of the body makes the most noise? You know, the tongue is about that long and it makes so much noise. And even I can talk about the modern world that we live in. We're putting ourselves on Facebook Live, not Revive, and we're going to pick up people from a multiple of continents. We're going to have hundreds of people watch us. And it's really kind of scary to think my small tongue gets that far. Our poor use of words can many times be more destructive than our actions. We should not fall into the habit of boasting about great things that we've done in the past, or think we're doing today, or will do in the future. And isn't it ironic that this tongue, which was designed to bless and praise God, can a few seconds later be cursing mankind? It literally is like a spark. Very And James keeps using the phrase over and over in his writing, brothers and sisters, we're of like family. And we know this, the people we wound the most with our tongue are our family members. We sometimes even joke social distancing. It's like, oh, yeah, I've got to be with my family, but I need distance from them because we're wounding one another. But it shouldn't be this way. Then he has four more illustrations. The first one in this next series is about good and poison water can't flow from the same spring. If we were to have a season... It might be just a few hours, it might be a few days, it might be a few weeks before our modern days, it would have been the way people lived in North Dakota. Where you're trying to find some little spring bubbling up on the prairie where you can get good, clean water. Because it's the source of life. You can't have both poison water and good water coming out of the same spring, just like your tongue can't be both good and poison. He has two more illustrations about he says a, a fig tree can't produce olives, or a grapevine can't produce figs. And we can, if we're a real sophisticated agricultural person, you know you can graft something in and you might be able to produce something that's a different fruit. But the general rule of thumb, you only can produce the source from the tree. The last illustration that he has, salt water can't make fresh water. All it does is produce living with saltwater fish, you cannot make fresh water out of salt. Let me have you stand, and I'm going to read this passage again. I'm going to read it from uh, Eugene Peterson's The Message Translation, and then I'm going to read a closing blessing from the Book of Common Prayer. Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards. And none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. A bit in the mouth, of course, controls the whole force. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, and send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. 
This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame the tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a rotten killer. With our tongues, we bless our God, our Father. With the same tongues, we curse every, the very man, one you made in his image. Curses and blessing of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next does it. Apple trees don't produce strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water. Let me read from the Book of Common Prayer. Bless you as you go into your week. O Almighty God, whose blessed Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Mercifully give us a faith to perceive that according to his promise, he abideth with his church on earth, even unto the end of the ages, through the same Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and with the Holy Spirit, one God in glory.